Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We're going to be talking about servitization, which is selling outcomes instead of selling products. Lou, you had a very interesting conversation with our guest, Gary Brooks, who will be joining us shortly. But you were so wired up about it, you gave me a call and said, I just had the greatest conversation with Gary. Right. <laughs> and uh, and now we have to learn how to even spell the word servitization. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> new, word, so, new word to our manufacturing sector. It was really a fascinating conversation, and uh, I'm doing all I can not to blow the story by telling everybody right now what servitization is and taking away the thunder from Gary Brooks. So uh, before I go do that, why don't we uh, introduce uh, Gary and let's get this show on the road because audience, people, you're not going to believe it and it already exists now. So keep that in mind when you're listening. This already exists. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating. Gary Brooks is the chief marketing officer at Syncron, and we're looking forward to a conversation with Gary. Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Tim and Lou, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And, uh, I'm thrilled to be getting this uh, uh, story and, and uh, your story uh, into the marketplace because people aren't just not going to believe it. And I can't be the I can't wait to be the first one to buy a product's service. So all of you in the audience, you know you know not what I speak of. So I'm going to let Gary first of all tell us a little bit about his company, uh, the origins. We're not going to take up too much time with that because I want to get right to product. So Gary, take it away. Sure. Yes. Uh, Synchron is a company uh, that serves a a list of global manufacturers around the world, and we help manufacturers optimize the performance of their service business. And I'm referring to the service that's delivered after the initial sale of the product. And we primarily focus on companies that sell durable pieces of equipment. So think of pieces of equipment that are designed to last more than five years that are either field or depot repairable. They're parts intensive. So think about cars, industrial products, uh, heavy equipment, agriculture equipment, so large pieces of equipment. So we help manufacturers to maximize the uptime of those products so the owner or the operator gets full utilization of that piece of equipment, which in many cases is an asset-generating piece of equipment. Um, We provide software as a service, uh, we are headquartered in Stockholm, and we have offices around the world. So, Gary, how many customers does Syncron have? We have about 100 customers around the world. And our customer list uh, reads like the who's who of, of top manufacturing brands in the world. I guess that it would. So, in terms of servitization, since this is the hot and button issue that Lou called me about, and using automobiles as an example, 
which Lou was fired up about. I think it's a great one. And Gary, share with our audience what is coming. Sure. So many of us know that uh, manufacturers, particularly automotive manufacturers, have had a very similar business model for many years, for many decades, where the manufacturer builds the automobile. They sell the automobile typically through a dealer network. Then something goes wrong with the vehicle, and then the manufacturer through the dealer sells service and parts, which is a very high margin part of their business. So it's a business model that we're all familiar with, um, and it's one that the manufacturers have perfected, and it's sort of a wash, rinse, repeat. They're doing the same thing over and over. But there's a number of dynamics that are taking place in the market from uh, economics to sustainability to demographic trends that are causing buyers to change the way that they like to purchase equipment. So rather than purchasing a vehicle, many want to buy access to the vehicle or access to mobility. So a number of manufacturers are offering this today. Porsche has their passport service. Uh, Volvo has uh, Care by Volvo. Uh, Cadillac has Book by Cadillac. And these are subscription services where you subscribe to the automobile. You're subscribing to mobility. It's called car as a service or mobility as a service. So imagine having an app on your phone where if you, on the weekend, you wanted to drive a 911, you can order up a 911 and it's delivered to your home. But then during the week, you want to drive a different vehicle. Maybe you want to drive a Panamera during the week. Uh, you can simply order that up on an app and that car will be delivered to you. And they take the 911 back. So you're buying access to a very convenient service. And you're not, you're not paying to maintain the vehicle. You're not paying to, ma- uh, to uh, insure the vehicle. You're simply buying access to the value that's delivered by that automobile. It's fascinating. I'm just wondering, is it going to be, because I don't know anybody who's doing it. You may. Uh, is, is it an expensive proposition? Is it kind of a high-end luxury product? You know, it depends on the class of the fleet that you're buying into. I don't know that the price is off the top of my head, but as you can imagine, you're buying access to a higher-end fleet of Porsches. I imagine that the price would be a little bit more expensive. If you're buying access to a fleet of Cadillac sports cars, it would be more, a little bit more expensive. But we're also seeing this go across not just manufacturing, uh, excuse me, not just automobiles, but we're seeing it as, across something as simple as uh, comfort as a service. Lou, I think we might have spoke about this when we, we, yeah, we, we chatted previously, that I think you unfortunately had to replace an HVAC system at your house. Right. Well, right. there's a, a number of providers that are offering what they call comfort as a service. So rather than having to buy a new heating system, you can subscribe to that heating system. And the manufacturer or a manufacturer's representative installs the heating system. They own the piece of equipment. They're responsible for maintaining it and ensuring the uptime of that equipment. And you simply pay a monthly subscription fee. So you're buying comfort as a service as opposed to buying a piece of hardware. Right. So if something breaks down, you just call the guy, and they come in and fix it it or take it away. That's it. I love it. This is the ultimate call the guy. (laughs) um, It is. 
uh, uh, someone that I'm uh, have a relationship with. Uh, his name is Professor Coloberto Carnevale from the Bocconi School of Man- Management in Milan. And one of his quotes that I really liked, it said, prior generations took pride in owning products, but current and future generations are very different. They just want to use the product and pay for the use. He's, well, isn't uh, he's a that, thought leader in this. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, isn't that what's theoretically happening with the millennials? They don't want to buy houses now. They just want to rent uh, an apartment with three uh, 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 housemates or apartment mates. It's very true. So that you know, from the, the younger generation. I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, you're 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 hitting the nail right on the head there. That you know, the younger generation appears to value access over possessions and experiences over ownership. Uh, it seems they want they prefer to spend money on concerts and sports and wellness and restaurants and traveling rather than financing a car um, that's you know could be a depreciating asset. And I recently read a research report that said the average passenger car in North America has a five percent utilization rate. So I think you're absolutely right. The millennials are looking to buy access uh, to durable goods or buying the value that's put out by those durable goods rather than owning the equipment because they they watch their parents. I'm guilty of that. um, Labor over material objects, and they have uh, little desire in doing that. I know some uh, uh, folks in New York City, Manhattan, uh, young people who not only don't they have a car, I mean, they live in Manhattan, they live in a small apartment because you can't afford a medium-sized apartment, and uh, they don't even have driver's licenses yet, which, you know, I remember when I went for my driver's license, I was standing online on my 16th birthday plus one <laughs> and, and couldn't wait to yeah. get my driver's license. Now they don't, they don't even bother. It's so true. Some of my colleagues are based in our headquarters, which is in Stockholm, which is a very easy city to walk around. And uh, there's an abundance of public transportation that you can take. And uh, one of my colleagues uh, just got her driver's license at 40. <laughs> because she wanted to drive her boyfriend's new sports car. That was the only reason it did. You know, she had no desire to, uh, to, to to own a car. So our world is changing right under our feet. It is, w- w- without a doubt. What, I, uh, what is this going to do to the auto industry and others? You know, I was chatting with uh, a senior executive from a, from an automotive OEM a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he made a very bold statement. Uh, he said that in the future, automobile manufacturers will no longer sell cars, and that was a pretty bold statement. I'll say they will sell they will sell transportation. Um, and he further went on to say that manufacturers can no longer just make incremental improvements to the siloed functions within their organization. They need to tip their entire organization on its side, look at it completely differently, and make quantum leaps into the future. This is not about just tweaking existing business models. This is about coming up with completely new and innovative business models 
And he said, those that embrace the future and adapt and come up with these new business models will be the ones that uh, secure their financial future. This is very similar, uh, Gary, to the development of the ISO standards, the quality management system. It started in 1994, I think it was. We were one of the first uh, in the metals industry that uh, uh, went for our registration. And the there was a lot of pushback. People didn't want to do it. You know, why are you going to let a foreign country, in that case Switzerland, uh, dictate how you run your business? And my feeling at the time was either do it now or do it later, but otherwise you'll be out of business. And mm-hmm. that's about where it's at. You you can't grow your business today unless you have a quality management system in place. Mm-hmm. So it's I, very I think similar. this will be this will be an evolution. I, I don't think it will be a revolution. I think it will it will be something that will happen over the next decade. Um, IDC um, uh, up in Massachusetts is paying a lot of attention to how servitization is evolving. And one of the top analysts over there, his name is Ali Pinder, and he said it's it's inevitable. I mean, this is this is unavoidable. Uh, selling products as a service will become a major component of OEM's business over the next decade. But there's no magic switch that you can reach out and just flip to go from the traditional model to going to selling your product as a service. This is something that will evolve. It will require business transformation. And one of the reasons it will take as long as a decade for manufacturers to evolve is there's still a long tail of disconnected products. You think about if a manufacturer sold a piece of earth-moving equipment 10 years ago, it's not IoT-enabled, but it probably has another 15 years left in its life. So it needs to be maintained through the traditional break-fix service models that most manufacturers uh, rely on today for a lot of revenue and margin. So they will need to continue to operate and optimize their break-fix service model in parallel with developing and deploying new business models that enable them to begin to sell product as a service. And, and that's one of the areas where Syncron comes in. We have deep roots in helping manufacturers optimize the performance of their break-fix business models, but we, are, we also have new technology that enables them to accelerate their journeys to selling a product as a service. So this is, this, is, this is a long journey. For our listeners who might be naysayers who are saying this will never <laughs> happen or it will never succeed, if I'm not mistaken in a prior conversation that you and I had, aren't there already in Europe, uh, car manufacturers already performing the service of, of mobility? There are. Um, there's, uh, well, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, Porsche and Volvo um, and uh, Cadillac, but also there, there's a new, uh, very innovative company called Lincoln Co. Uh, that's a joint venture between Volvo and Geely Holding Group, where they are building a new, uh, a new automobile company that sells the, the product as a service. They're building cars that will not be sold. They're building cars that you can subscribe to. So and what's really the name capitalize of that? It's what's Link, the name of the company? L-Y-N, Link and Co. L-Y-N-K uh, and Co. 
Link & Co., Link & Company. Very innovative, forward-leading automobile manufacturer um, that, that's doing some, some, some really interesting things. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Gary, I'm just wondering if all of the scooters that we hear about that are being implanted in cities for the transportation of urbanites are product as a service devices. Absolutely. You're subscribing. Uh, that's You're using it on an as-needed basis. Um, you're subscribing to uh, there's a number of companies, and you have an app. You grab the scooter, and you use it when you need it. Uh, that is absolutely uh, an example of a product as a service. Wow. So the, auto, your, the automobile won't be far behind. <laughs> your, your, your earlier question about the naysayers, I think we, we can look back in history, and there have been uh, transformations and innovations that have disrupted uh, individuals, businesses, livelihoods. It, there's always a group that are forward-leaning, the early adopters, the innovators, that embrace the change and prosper. And inevitably, there's a group that, um, that ignore what's going on, and they cling to the status quo. And in many cases, uh, they become irrelevant and they're left behind. You know, if we look at Blockbuster and Netflix, um, you know, you can think back to when there was a Blockbuster on every corner, and you'd go in there to get your, your movies, and then Netflix came on, on, onto the scene, and they were doing DVD by mail, and then they evolved uh, to being just a powerhouse of streaming video. Now they compete. On, on a variety of new fronts where they embraced the future and embraced technology and, and Blockbuster got left behind. There's, there's so many other uh, examples from taxis to Uber and um, but this is uh, this is something that is definitely happening. You know, as these manufacturers embark on this journey, and, and it is a journey, they're going from a place where they are today to some place in the future. And they're looking for, how do I get there? And so uh, we've developed a roadmap that helps uh, that help manufacturers through this maturity. It's a four-step maturity model where they evolve from being reactive to being very preventative and prescriptive and proactive. So that they have the roadmap. The next thing they're looking for is guides to help them on their journey. So they're looking to management consultants. They're looking to systems integrators. They're looking to academics, industry analysts, and they're looking to companies like Synchron to help them on that journey. Yeah, we almost forgot to bring you into this story. So <laughs> how, how do you go, go about uh, uh, securing a customer, selling the story, the pitch? Uh, how long does it take, take to do an implementation and an uh, um, uh, integration? Uh, I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, it depends on the size and the sophistication of a company. Um, you know, we're, we're dealing with a large OEM right now where they're implementing our solutions at, at uh, their dealers around the world. So that's, you know, that's a multi-year-long project to get all the dealers using the same uh, solution. And what this particular uh, situation is, is we're helping the dealers to maximize their part fill rate. So I'm sure we've all gone into a dealership to have a repair done only to have the mechanic come out and say, I'm sorry, we don't have the part in stock. We're going to, we need to order it. So one of our solutions enables manufacturers 
to maximize the fill rate of that service part, making sure that in a high percentage of the cases that parts available at the dealer or at the nearest stocking location when the repair needs to be performed. So the result of that is it maximizes revenue and margin for the OEM. It also drives a high level of customer satisfaction and brand loyalty because when you needed to have your repair performed, the part was there. So that's how we help optimize. <clears throat> Our newest product is called Synchron Uptime, and it collects sensor data from the vehicle or the piece of equipment. It determines proactively when a part may fail and then it either schedules routine maintenance for that repair or it may send a signal that says that the piece of equipment needs to be repaired immediately. So the goal is to make the repair proactively rather than waiting for it to fail because when it fails, it's, uh, it's, it's impacting uptime. And in a subscription model, uptime is absolutely critical. Yeah, I'm sure these road service... I'm sure these road service guys wouldn't be happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the new model, when you think about it, <clears throat> today the owner-operator owns the piece of equipment and they're responsible for making the repair. Or right. They're responsible for, you know, if your car breaks down, you need to take care of it. In right. the new model, the ownership and responsibility for the maintenance and upkeep and uptime of that piece of equipment shifts back to the manufacturer because they own the equipment. So they're the ones that are responsible for making sure the parts in stock, making sure that they're collecting sensor data to determine when the part, when, when the vehicle may fail. So it's a completely different model. The ownership shifts from the end user back to the manufacturer. I would guess the auto manufacturer then would make sure that the car is uh, more efficient because the selling of parts to an end user as they do today is a big money maker and doing it the, the way you're talking about, it would become a big money loser if the vehicle was not as efficient as it could be. Yeah, the, the, the uptime and the efficiency of the vehicle or any piece of equipment, any manufactured durable good becomes super important. Right. And, you know, the, the circular the circular economy plays into it today that, you know, let, let's take a, a dishwasher, for example. If you have a dishwasher in your home and it fails, you probably go somewhere, buy a new one. The, uh, the maintenance technician comes in, takes the old one away, installs the new one. Inevitably, the dishwasher ends up in landfill. In the future, and as part of the circular economy, manufacturers will design that dishwasher to easily be refurbished or use the parts, reuse the parts in the manufacturing process. So in the servitized model, the manufacturer owns the dishwasher. You're just buying, you're buying access to clean dishes. So when it fails, they'll either repair it or they'll take it away, put a new one in, and then the, the, the piece of equipment that they took out is then repurposed rather than going in landfill. So there's a, there's a great sustainability value proposition associated with product as a service. Gary, I wonder in your spare time if you'd give General Motors a call and maybe help them with their Takata airbag replacement since I've now waited four years for my airbag to be replaced. 
in my vehicle. And even when they say the the best one was was recently, we took the car in, and they said we've got the parts. Come on in. We went in. They said we don't have the parts, so we can't do the service. We'll call you when we have the parts. Uh, as we were leaving, they said, well, unless you want to pay for the parts, and then we could do it today. Many manufacturers around the world, across diverse industries, not just automotive, you know, heavy equipment and money and construction, um, they've used Synchron to, to alleviate that problem because we can we can help them to have a very, very high fill rate at their dealer level. So you wouldn't experience that problem. Now, not to offend General, not to offend General Motors, that was a dealer, by the way, who, who shared that with us. Not General Motors in Detroit. Yeah, and before they called, <laughs> before they called their lawyers. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so we get the uh, phone call. Right, uh, Gary, give us your uh, URL and how people can get in touch with you. If you have a uh, email address you would like to have uh, people directed to, be our guest to give us that information. Yeah, the, the, the URL for uh, Synchron, it's very simple. It's www.synchron.com. Uh, emails um, can be sent to info at synchron.com. Well, Gary, we, <laughs> we really appreciate you sharing with us the concept of servitization and product as a service. Fascinating. I'm sure we're at the infancy stage on the paradigm S-curve, and we'll have to see how quickly this gets adopted as it, as it moves across time. So thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thank you, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you, Gary. And forward some information, and we'll uh, we'll talk further about it. Okay. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. And we'll we'll have Gary back on the show as we move through this adoption curve. Uh, this is going to be a major paradigm shift. But just to review for our listeners. Synchron is S-Y-N-C-R-O-N dot com, and SynchronInnovate.com is where you will find information on Innovate 2019, or better yet, you could go to MFGTalkRadio.com, and we'll post all that information with this show, so you can get a flavor of what's coming, and also get a sense of the other shows that we have up, some 360 or 70 as we grow towards 500 and our completing our sixth year. Is that right, Lou? Uh, November 13 is going to be six years. Um, and uh, looking forward to keeping it going. And uh, all we'll just have to do is uh, do some crowdfunding and advertising sales and so on. Um, because self-funding ain't fun. <laughs> so on that basis we'll be talking again and uh you have a good day and we appreciate our sponsor all metals and forge group which is a manufacturer of seamless rolled rings and open die forgings don't forget custom shapes and if you're looking for an exceptionally large forging all metals and forge group is the company to come to again thank you for listening to this episode of manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>